and we have a go for auto sequence start. Six, eight, 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 two, one, boost ignition, and lift off. On July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin planted their feet on the moon. It was the culmination of, of a lifetime of work. Thousands of the best minds in America had resolutely set out to make it happen. Calculation after calculation, test after test, all to make that one moment. An entire country waited with bated breath, holding their breath until they finally hear the words beamed down through a radio signal of Neil Armstrong saying these words. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. They'd done it, right? They had done it. They had landed on the moon. An all-out effort, all of the attention, millions of dollars spent, millions of human hours spent. Why? Why? Well, because it's there, of course, right? It's there. That's why. We have to go and get it. We have to go and do it. There are, there are 12 men in the history of the world who have left footprints on the moon. There are soon to be a few more out of that list. They're, they're planning on doing it again. But, but it's kind of like that kid, right, who sees wet cement. Have you experienced that before? How can you not leave your mark? I wonder if any of the astronauts put their initials on the moon, right? Like, I, I was here. Here's my initials. Uh, a while back, I was, I was with my, one of my sons. We went for a hike out at High Cliff State Park over by Appleton area, Menasha area. We were hiking out all around, and we found this little area where there's big rocks and everything. You kind of can climb through them. We love to do that, go bouldering a little bit. And we found this little spot where literally it's just a wall covered with people's initials, right? Initials, like there's a heart, right? Like this isn't this, but like a tree. You can see this before. Like it's everywhere, right? There, people are initialing their spots on, on, on a rock, they got a, on a rock. I, I wonder if, if there are any hearts with initials on the moon. Can you imagine that? Like, like you're in a conversation, like, oh, I left our initials on a rock over there. I left it on a tree up on the top of a mountain. Beat this. Ours are on the moon, right? <laughs> it would be amazing, right? That would be completely romantic. <laughs> Names etched in stone. Names painted in concrete. I was here. I was somebody. Take notice of me. Footprints on the moon. There's something about leaving a legacy. There's something about having an impact. We all want it. We all crave it. But, but here's the real question, and it's our task for today. What impact is worth having? 
By the way, my name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome to RCC. Uh, as you can see, we're a little tight. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, we, we have plans to, to squeeze some more chairs in for the next couple of weeks and then expand services a couple of weeks after that. Uh, but the series that we're starting right now was called Impact. And it's all about being impacted by the sheer force of Jesus. And then allowing that force of Jesus to drive us and carry us upward toward impact in God's kingdom. But it all starts with Jesus. Because even Jesus had a mission. Even Jesus had a mission. After Jesus was, was baptized, so early on in his ministry, he goes to John the Baptist, he gets baptized, and then it says God's spirit leads him out into the wilderness, and he's out in the wilderness for 40 days, and while he's out there, he's tempted, and he overcomes that temptation, and he comes out of the wilderness. He's about to begin his ministry, and the very first place he starts is his boyhood home. So he comes strolling into his boyhood home, and it's the Sabbath, it's a Saturday, he goes to the synagogue, which is our equivalent of a church, and this is when people would read the scriptures of the Old Testament. And because he's Jesus, he's already got a bit of notoriety, people know who he is, there, there's some rumors spreading about this guy doing some crazy stuff. And so he get, goes to the synagogue, he's sitting down, and the attendant takes the scroll of Isaiah and, and hands it to Jesus. And the scroll of Isaiah would be equivalent of our Old Testament book, Isaiah. And so Jesus, he takes the scroll, stands up, he, he unrolls the scroll. And this is what it says he says. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Can you imagine that scene, right? And Jesus opens the scroll, he reads those words, then it says this, I love this line, it says, it says next, then he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Like, this is a moment of tension. Like, who is this guy? And who does he think he is? He rolls up the scroll, hands it back, sits down. You could cut the tension with a butter knife. Like, it was thick. What does he mean? What is he saying? Isn't this the kid that literally grew up down the street? What's he saying about himself? And then it says this. It says, then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Leave it to Jesus to command a room, to, to make a moment. But it wasn't just for show. Jesus was saying these words because it was a declaration. He was declaring something to be true. Good news for the poor releasing the captives, giving sight to the blind, freeing the oppressed. This is why he was here. This is why he'd come. Jesus was succinctly stating his mission. This was the impact Jesus was setting out to have. And it's a bold statement. It's right out of Isaiah. Everybody knew those verses. And he's saying, I'm here to do that. I'm here to do that. A little while later in his, in his ministry, John the Baptist, the guy who had baptized him and prepared the way for Jesus, he gets a little bit nervous and he sends some of his disciples to Jesus to, to check in on him. Like, hey, what's going on? Are you really the Messiah? Are you really the person we've been looking for and waiting for? 
And so they have this conversation that John's disciples go to Jesus, they ask him, and then Jesus told John's disciples this. He says, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Does any of that sound familiar? Without saying it outright, Jesus is saying, yes, I'm the one you've been waiting for. He had a mission and he was completing it. I was talking to someone this past week, we were having coffee or chatting for a little bit, and we were talking about leading organizations and trying to lead them well and how that works. And, and this person used a word that I hadn't really heard very much since like ninth grade high school science. Uh, he used the word uh, entropy, entropy. And, and you're like, entro what? Entro who? Entro, entro what? <laughs> entropy, right? Entropy, the ninth grade science term, the idea that all things move toward chaos naturally. The, the fancy definition is this. It's, in physics, a thermodynamic quantity representing the unavailability of a system's thermal energy for conversion into mechanical work, often interpreted as the degree of disorder or randomness in the system. The second law of thermodynamics says that entropy always increases with time. Another definition, a little simpler, lack of order or predictability, gradual decline into disorder. <laughs> it's a little better, right? Okay, well, even better, you can hear that one. Uh, I'll just give you a picture. If you have kids, you know what entropy looks like. <laughs> That's entropy. <laughs> that is entropy. Uh, personally, it's Legos for us, like stepping on Legos. How did a Lego get in this room? Like, that's the question. Somehow they travel. It just happens. But essentially, entropy is the move toward disorder and chaos, and it's our world's natural state. The only way to combat entropy is through purposeful, harnessed force, through focused energy. That's the, the mechanical or the conversion to mechanical work part of that fancy definition. Someone has to spend energy cleaning up the room. Someone has to do it. You need energy to combat entropy. And that energy needs to be focused in a world of chaos, in a world filled with disorder. Jesus is that purposeful, harnessed force, that focused energy bringing our world back into order. In fact, that's Jesus's mission. Jesus came with the mission of putting our world back together as it should be. That's the releasing the captives part, the, the making the blind see part. That's what he came to do. Jesus inserted into our world a cosmically sized amount of focused energy directed toward putting things right. That's why Jesus came. Think about it. Jesus shows up here on planet Earth, shows up here, a place where might makes right, a place where you hate your enemy, and that's a good thing, a place where you only care for those who care for you first, a place where money and wealth and power are what's considered most important. He shows up into, into a world like that, and he says... Love your neighbor as yourself. No, no, better yet, love your enemy. 
He says, humble yourself. He says, give and you'll end up receiving because of it. He says, serve others beyond what you're asked for. And then, then he does it himself. He does it himself all the way to a cross where he's hung and dies a death he didn't deserve to die, a death that would count as a sacrifice, blood poured out, body broken in an act of self-sacrificing love, an act that would cover sin, pay its price, overcome its evil, an act that would cause such a, a shockwave that it would literally change the history of the world. Hear me. There has never been a single act more powerfully, that more powerfully altered the history of the world than what Jesus did on the cross and then three days later leaving that grave empty. There's never been a more powerful act. It was the moment when a God-sized force focused through Jesus brought about the beginning of putting things right. Like it says in Revelation, and we've been saying about it, for the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will, be, he will lead them to springs of living, life-giving water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He's the lamb. He's the lion of Judah, as we sang about. He's Jesus. And it all begins with a mission. It all starts with a mission. The best organizations in the world, right? They have a crystal clear mission. They know what they're supposed to do and why. If you've ever heard of TED Talks, anybody heard of TED Talks before? Raise your hand. Yes, you've heard them. Their mission is super clear. It's spread ideas. That's their mission, and they do it really, really well. Nike, it's to, to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. And there's a caveat. They define every athlete as anybody with a body. So you're an athlete. Uh, <laughs> Good for marketing, I think. Um, then the last one, Apple, to bring the best user experience to its customers through its innovative hardware, software, and service, except when the headphone jack doesn't work. Um, <laughs> but these companies have an impact because they know what they're trying to do. They know what they're trying to do so they can do it. Jesus was so clear about his mission, but that mission was adaptable. It was expressed in different forms. He started out stating his mission, talking about that verse from Isaiah, releasing captives, good news for the poor, freeing the oppressed. But then he, he continues with it. He expands on it. He talks about the greatest commandment. And in Matthew 23, he says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. He then takes these commandments, this mission, and he mobilizes them. He mobilizes them with this mission by calling his followers to make disciples. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We actually did that a couple weeks ago. We, we had people who said, I'm a follower of Jesus. I want to follow him with my life, and I want to be baptized to show that that has changed on the inside of me. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Go and baptize them in his name. And then he says, he'll send us the power to complete the mission to be his, his representatives, to, to be witnesses for him. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus was crystal clear about what he was accomplishing through himself, 
And then ultimately through us. Through us. The most powerful act of self-sacrificing love, the cross, combined with the conquering of the biggest evil this world knows, death. All pointing to an assurance that we too will conquer that evil by trusting in Jesus and by living his way. A force that ignited the biggest word of mouth, world and culture changing movement of all time. A movement that began to reverse the entropy of this world. A force that promises one day to make all things new again, to wipe away every tear. The mission is clear. The mission's adaptable. And whether we know it or not, we're all desperate for it, and we're all called to be part of it. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't really feel like I need Jesus in my life. My life is fine. I'm a decent person. It's all going to be okay. I get it. But it it reminds me of something Jesus said once that has been a cautionary tale for me. He, He had one of his disciples. His name was Levi. And Levi was a tax collector. Nobody likes tax collectors. They were scum. Literally, they're the worst. But Levi becomes one of Jesus' disciples, and shortly after, he does the natural thing for anybody who meets Jesus and is changed by him. Call all your friends, throw a big party, and make sure Jesus is there. Because somehow just rubbing up against Jesus and talking to him and having a conversation, it changes things. So he does this. He throws a big party. He invites Jesus. Jesus shows up, and all the religious people were infuriated. Because that's the scum. Those are the dirtbags. Those are the worst people. They're, they're awful human beings. How can you hang out with tax collectors? How can you hang out with sinners? How can you hang out with people that do that stuff? And Jesus' response is this. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Let me put it this way. I encourage you not to be so proud that it requires the worst of life to break you down enough so you finally realize your need for Jesus. There's not a soul I've encountered. There's not a person I've met that has had a will strong enough to combat all the awful things this world can throw at it and does throw at it. We, when we're willing to admit it, require a force for good in our lives that is bigger than ourselves. We, we need it desperately. And I'm here to tell you, the only one that I know of that cuts it is Jesus. There's just too much hurt in this world. There's, there's just too much suffering in this world. There's, there's too much anger and hate and fear and selfishness and on and on the list goes. I, I need, personally, I need a force that promises there's something better. Something better and, and doesn't just promise it, shows they're capable of it through their actions. We ache for what Jesus has to offer. 
So why not let that force impact your life? Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking like, yeah, maybe for the first time that makes sense. And life has been harder than you wish it was. And you do feel like you can't measure up to it yourself. If that's you, the single step that changes the trajectory of your life is a simple prayer that says, I want to follow your son, Jesus. And so I'm just going to take a moment right now, and I'm going to say that prayer out loud. And if for you, you need to say that for the first time today, or just for yourself, reaffirm that because you need to step back into living that way. I'll invite you to pray those words with me. So out of respect to everybody, would you just bow your heads and and I'm going to say those words. And, And if you want to say them for yourself, you can own these words for yourself. Dear Jesus, I have tried to do this life on my own. I have done all these things that have built a barrier between myself and yours. These sins, these, these mistakes that have built a barrier between myself and you. And I know you didn't build that barrier, I did. So God, today, I accept the power you have over sin and death to crush that barrier, to wipe away those sins and bring me into a relationship with you. Jesus, help me follow you with my life. I give you my life fully, and I want to go where you lead me. Help me to take that next step and begin to represent you well with my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, please come find me afterwards, chat with me, just talk. That would be amazing. This is not something you say and then nothing happens. This is something you say to God, and then it begins to change your life. And I would love to be part of that. Uh, We were joking before um, all the staff people have flannels on. So if they have a flannel on, it's probably a staff person. Somehow we we coordinated today, not on purpose, but come talk to us. We'd love to chat with you about that. Uh, But here's the thing. Don't leave it here in this moment. Don't leave it here. Do, Do you know how much force it takes to lift a rocket into space? 3.5 million kilograms of force. And for us Americans, it's 7.2 million pounds of thrust. It looks and it sounds, if we have sound, a lot like this. insane, isn't it? You can almost feel it, and it's not even real. It's like it's a video. It's nuts. But here's the thing. As powerful as that is, it pales in comparison to the force required to actually transform someone's life. To see lasting change in someone's life is an exceptionally rare thing. And the only one I've ever seen do it in a lasting and full and healthy way is Jesus. A while back, I got this text message from a friend who, who had their life changed by Jesus, and, and he'd just been baptized, and he sent me this text. He said, quote, My life has never felt so free, loving, patient, clean, and happy. I love the word choice. 
I love how he describes it. When you get your life changed by Jesus, it is not a stationary thing. It moves you. It moves you. When your life is changed by Jesus, you are, you are being propelled forward in a new direction, launched by the force of a rocket. Your life has been impacted by Jesus, but you are propelled forward in a new direction for the purpose of having an impact on other people's lives too. We're going to spell out the how and the why and the, the way in which we can do so in the coming weeks. But, but today I want to be super clear about one thing. Uh, we've been talking all year about representing Jesus well. It means not, it's not meant to be kept to yourself. And it's not meant to be done by your own power or your own goodness. C.S. Lewis, he says it this way. He says, but the Christian thinks any good he does comes from the Christ life inside him. He does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. Just as the roof of a greenhouse does not attract the sun because it is bright, but, because bright, but becomes bright because the sun shines on it. It's not about trying hard to be good. It's about letting God love, God's love make you good. It's about living Jesus' way and witnessing how God can use that to change and transform us. If you follow Jesus, you will be impacted by Jesus. You will also have an impact because of Jesus. But here's the secret. Those two work together. They're inseparable. When you serve someone in Jesus' name as a representative of Jesus, you will have an impact. You will have an impact and you will be impacted. The thing about being a disciple of Jesus is as soon as you realize that Jesus died and conquered death to set you free, the thing you must become, that must become apparent is that there is an entire world of people who don't yet know that freedom. In the same moment that it's all about you, it stops being all about you. When Jesus releases you from what held you captive, when Jesus helps you see clearly for the first time, when Jesus conquers the oppressive forces in your life, when Jesus brings good news into the poor state of existence you've been inhabiting, when Jesus does all of those things in you and for you, you suddenly become a representative of, a, of God's power for the purpose of demonstrating for others who desperately need it too. We have a lot more to talk about in this series. And if you want your life, if you want to live your life with some real and lasting purpose, you're going to want to be here for it. It's going to be really good. But I have one final thing for you right now, and it's something that matters a lot to me, and I think it's something that probably matters a whole lot to you. There are two groups of people, part of this church, that it is absolutely mission critical that they experience God's love through us as a church from the moment they walk in and the most that they possibly can. Uh, in front of you, there, there's a red card, or behind you if you're back. Grab one of those out for just a second. Um, I want you to hold on to that for a moment. Um, I was mentioning earlier that we're going to make some changes here as a church, and the, the biggest change that we're going to make in the next few weeks is that on October 16th, we will be moving to three services because look around. 
we need more space. So we're going to move to three services October 16th. They'll be at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 a.m. on a Sunday. You got 15 minutes to get in and get out, okay, people? But it's going to be awesome. In the past, we've done it, uh, and we did amazing. We did that for years. Uh, but I, I would love for you to be part of making that happen. And honestly, guys, I need you in order to make it happen. The two groups of people that we absolutely have to and cannot mess up our impact on is first the people that walk in those doors for the first, second, third time ever. Because believe it or not, your ability to welcome that person and make them feel at home here is more important than my sermon by a lot. By a lot. And we need like 10 more people, like 13 more people to make it so that we can have 13 or three services of welcoming. So if that is something you can do, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. On your red card, write welcome people. And put your information on there. Also, this is, by the way, just a great way. I'd love for all of you just to fill out the red card because we need to update information always. And if it's changed at all, I'd love for you to put that on there and put it in the basket on your way back where the offering goes. But put welcome people on there if that's something you can do. But even more than that, even more than that, our kids. To go to three services, it's going to be a big jump. And honestly, when we came out of COVID, we had a skeleton crew of people serving our kids. We had like eight, ten people serving all the time. And we're at about ten people that are like, hey, I'm ready for the fall. We need 32. We need 32 people to say, I will be willing to serve for one hour twice a month. You still get to go to the service. One hour twice a month to help out and make sure our kids get to know Jesus, get to know how much he loves them, and learn to represent Jesus well with their lives. I know that's a big ask, but it's, can I tell you what? It's a small one in, in, in the grand scheme of things. Because one hour, you're just adding that to your Sunday twice a month, and you have a reason to make sure you're here, which is great accountability for you. But here's the thing about that. Twelve men have put footprints on the moon. Twelve men. I would rather, personally, have impacted someone who walks through those doors for an eternity or to give a, a child, a kid, a chance to get to know Jesus, to know that he loves that kid and have that kid be able to take that with them their entire life. What an incredible impact. So if, if you want to help with kids, put kids down on there and we'll get in contact with you. With you. Shauna is, is our new children's director and she's killing it. I would love for you to be part of that team. It is such a great team. But here's the thing. To finish up with this, we have the chance to have this force of Jesus impact our lives for the better. It changes everything. But it's not just about us. From the moment we accept that gift, it stops being just about us and begins to be about others too. And when you impact others, it continues to impact you. So I'm going to finish with a prayer. And I, my prayer is going to be that we would accept that impact of Jesus and that we would give it away too. Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you so much for the way that you love us and care for us and all the ways that you have impacted us personally. God, help us to accept that impact on our lives from you, that it would be a force for good in our lives. But God, help it to not just stop with us, but it would extend outward to others so that one, we could impact others with your love, but also we would continue to be growing closer to you because of it.
We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.